Welcome to Inside Motorsport, Tony Whitlam and Craig Ravella. We're joined by a man who has been around motorsport, motor racing, karting for a long time. No, no, you don't feel that old, Chris. You know. Chris Lambden of now the representative and responsible for S5000s. Chris, welcome again to Inside Motorsport. Good to have you here at Bathurst. Amazing to have the cars on track. Well, I guess so. Who would have thought that we would have these cars at Bathurst uh, at this point, this early in their development? So it's um, that side, of, it's terrific. You know, I mean, we've put on a reasonable show so far. It's been a bit hit and miss. A couple of cars uh, needed work. Um, and look, to be frank, COVID cost us four entries. So we've, we've had to make do with what we've got. But from what I'm hearing from the public, they like it. Yeah. Now, um, I was here at the time when Neil Allen set what was the outright, outright lap record, pre-chase, a two minutes ten or thereabouts. Um, now we're in the realms of in, under the two-minute barrier. Um, what are the guys saying about driving the cars here? Oh, they love it. They love it. Um, as you said, I'm really glad we just managed to scrape under the two minutes under the circumstances because, as you're aware, there's a track... Um, categorization regulation that the bottom line was they they asked us to take 85 horsepower out of the cars electronically for this weekend now you know deep down I'm not a fan of that and there are some issues that I hope we can discuss and and and, uh, and sort for next time but never mind never mind with, with 475 instead of 560 horsepower to do 159 is pretty special okay what have they said about actually driving the cars here in terms of straight line speed? Obviously, that's down on what it would have been. But um, across the top, for instance, how the car handles. Because we know that they're a beast of a car to drive. Uh, no, they're loving it. I mean, the, 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 the other good thing that's happened was, as you know, rain was forecast just about every day since we've been here. But uh, we haven't had a drop. The sun's out. The, the track temperatures are hot. And these cars, oh, the tyres on these cars really work better when they've got some temperature. You probably notice like that the top qualifying times are done in the last two minutes of qualifying when the temperature builds up. So that's really been good in terms of driving across the top. Yeah, they're loving it. The cars, you know, they're, they're an open wheeler. They stick to the ground. Um, and that's where they're making up all the time that's being lost at the end of the straight. Now, the category was announced. You've gone through the gestation period of two different versions of what is now S5000. Um, you were involved in the building of, of one of those and then through a metamorphosis, we've ended up with the cars we now have, which have a French uh, Enroc, uh, Enroc, Enroc Ligier. Enroc Ligier chassis. Um, a lot of components that Gary Rogers has built in his workshops. Um, you've had two very inter interrupted seasons um, to get where you are now you've got to think that this bodes well for the future. Oh, I very much hope so. I mean, COVID has you know, it's, it's affected Australia in an awful lot of negative ways. In our case, it, every time we got a little bit of momentum happening, it all got cancelled. So it's been tough, you know, but everyone's had a tough time. And, uh, so it's great that we got these two events in. It's great that we got two overseas guys here. Um, it was easier to get them here than get any and get them home again than someone from Queensland or New Zealand. You know that's why we lost some entries. So it's a great little step forward, and I think the um, there's a steady little trail of guys in other categories wandering down this weekend to ask about how they can get involved. So it, as we sit here now, I think we've got 14 or 15 cars for next year, and it hopefully we'll grow from there. We have a limit of supercars we have 
difficulties getting certain cars, GT cars and availability. How quickly could the S5000 grid escalate knowing that there's a chassis from France, there's engines from America and, and all those components? Mm. Can you, if 10 people came up and said, we want to start racing next year, is there the equipment and parts available? Yes, in, in short. Um, although it's an, uh, a French-originated tub, they go to the USA. It's the, it's the basis of the American regional Formula 3, and our relationship is with them. And uh, from the start, we went over there and designed with them the, uh, I guess, the adapter that allows our huge V8 engine to go on the back of it. So the, the tub arrives here with that already in place. So building more cars is, is as simple as ordering more tubs, and they're almost available off the shelf. Uh, yes, engines, and uh, Roger Higgins has got that under control, and the rest of it's built here. You know, it, it's, it really is a big tick for the motorsport industry here, that it, it's built here and assembled by GRM. So at the moment there's 18 cars in existence. If they need another two or three in a, in, in a month, they could do it. Um, so, but you know, actually there's only 10 weeks from now till our first round next year. So uh, we'll be pretty busy. You've got a calendar for next year at this moment? Hasn't been announced yet, and uh, I haven't actually seen it. No. But I this is ARG who will be preparing this calendar in collaboration with Motorsport Australia. Well, of course, see, the big news is that we're all in the same uh, tent now. You know, ARG is one of the um, group that bought supercars. Yep. So there's a, there's a, a pleasant cooperation going on, um, whereby I think three of our six events next year will be at events with supercars uh, and three headlining the, um, the AIG events. So I think we're kicking off in Tassie in February, uh, with Phillip Island, the Grand Prix, Sydney Motorsport Park, uh, it's public that we're going to Darwin, which will be a hoot, and finish at Sandown. And then following that, uh, we'll, we'll do the Tasman thing again. It'll be here at the Bathurst International and the Gold Coast. And my other project after this weekend is to see if we can get a couple of races in New Zealand shortly after that, to have a proper Tasman across the Tasman and with Kiwis. And that would be sort of a container shipment. You'd, you'd, cars will be shipped over, bang, do the series there. That's the plan. Uh, like if we finished here and shipped, there's a, there's a space at the beginning of January in New Zealand. You know, I don't want to clash with existing TRS, things yeah. like TRS, uh, but there is a space there. So uh, at the moment it's all chat. But um, that's what I'm going to be doing now, seeing what we can do. With the Tasman Series, and it's been fantastic to see the Tasman Series trophy here at Bathurst this weekend, but what are the New Zealanders saying to you about what they're seeing of S5000? They've, they've got a strong open-wheel culture. They've got the TRS, which is you know, definitely a pathway to greatness in F1. What do they think about a high-horsepower mm -hmm. open-wheeler? Well, they love it because, as you know, historic Formula 5000 over there is huge. And uh, so, no, they, they're, they're very keen. And for us to be able to award the Tasman Trophy required the tick-off of both Motorsport Australia and Motorsport New Zealand. So they're behind it, which is great. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's just at the moment COVID, you know, intervened in terms of any Kiwi involvement this time and even going there. So... That's the plan, um, assuming that uh, we become a bit COVID normalised, um, is to do something over there. 
One thing maybe we could just talk about quickly is the drivers. Typically now, there are a number of them who features, you know, guys like Nathan Hearn and Aaron Cameron, and, you know, we all know that they have a path through TCR and other things, Transams. But some of the other names, I don't know them. I don't know the drivers. I won't talk about who I don't know, but it'd be interesting to know where they've come from, where you're getting your feeders to. Um, I think probably things like Formula Ford, um, Jason Purdy's background is supercars, you know, the, the full-on 250 international things that are dear to my heart. And, uh, you know, if you've had a background like that, this is really just an upscaled version. So there are some Formula Ford kids looking to come in next year. There's a couple of Super 2 um, youngsters who you know, feeling the pinch budget-wise, if nothing and else, you know. They can get into this at a, at a more reasonable price way more reasonable right. like about half right. price so you know they're going to come from all over um there's a lot of very young guys which is great that's that's the way it is and probably at the moment what three four five or six of our cars are are owned by shall we say races from the previous generation who are in a position to buy a car and make it available for a youngster and that to me is the key it's been interesting because i must admit i thought the grid might have been a a split between senior drivers who wanted to race open wheelers and then some young stars that wanted to try and get some wings, slicks, high-powered experience. But that, ignoring Rubens Kello and some of the, the uh, imports, probably one of your regular drivers, Tim Macro, is probably the oldest man in the field. Well, he is. And look, from the start, I, I, I really didn't want it to be an old boy's category. You know, they're serious cars and they need serious, young, smart young men. And, you know, there's some, some very, very intelligent young 17-year-olds around these days, just as there's some very dopey 25-year-olds. So I got no age is not a thing for me. You know, it's the background. And in order to not project an, an image of old boy, I have never yet even sat in the car because I didn't want a photo of an old bloke sitting in the car getting out in the public. And we should actually mention here that Chris did race a GM1 Formula 5000, an original car. It was a car that, you know, I lost after I've interviewed Graham McRae and enormous respect. And so this is a man who's actually driven these cars. And so he had full reasons to why he should. But I think when he told me this story earlier that he hadn't sat in it because he didn't want that photograph existing somewhere, I think that's a great indictment of commitment to the category. Well, exactly. I mean, uh, the historic Formula 5000 category is where guys like me should be. You know, they, they were wonderful cars and just to be able to drive them around, as you said, I did it for two years. It was a bucket list thing for me. You know, I had my ups and downs, but you know, we had a bit of a result in the end. Uh, but I I'd be, would be lying if I didn't say that's where the first sort of uh, thought bubble happened uh, that's led to S5000. But certainly we want it to be a serious international category. Uh, and if we can put that Tasman series together, uh, at about, I think, five rounds are required, you can get the um, international uh, FIA points on it, and that's what will attract young guys from Europe to come and do it. With, with the plans for the series, and you mentioned earlier ARG now being part of race, what does that, in your opinion, mean? for where S5000 could go and how much quicker will it get to those places because it's now one homogenised body? 
Oh, it makes a huge difference. I mean, it means that, as I said, I think half our na national series races will be on the supercar show next year. And, you know, there's, uh, there's a lot of pluses to that. I mean, you know, they're the big show, obviously. But I think amongst all the other the car categories that, that are involved, we provide the greatest contrast. Um, and probably, um, a bit big-headed here, um, the greater attraction of the support categories, because the cars are fast. Um, they'll be faster here next year. And, you know, there is a contrast. And so um, I really am hopeful that it will, will sit up there, you know, somewhere somewhere reasonably placed at those events. We'll still headline our own events as well. Uh, but, you know, next year's Tasman uh, here in Gold Coast, they're both... Oh, sorry, the Gold Coast is a supercar race. That'll be amazing. Um, so, yeah, I think the, the timing of the, um, of, of the sale of supercars to this group probably couldn't be better for us. I think it's going to help. And so we're talking about eight, eight races potentially next year, going on to 10 to 12 races if you include the Australian Championship and the Tasman Series. Um, six Australian Championship races for mm -hmm. the Gold Star, finishing in September at Sandown, then the two Tasman races here, and then two or three, I hope, in New Zealand. But that's, that's the next project, is to try and put that together. So, so potentially, if you have a, an yeah. S5000, you could be racing 11 meetings in a 12-month period. That's correct. I mean, and if you owned a car, you might put a young Australian in for the domestic series and might attract a, some sort of interesting person from Europe to come and do a Tasman. You know? So a whole lot of options, um, but that's the next project. One of the really attractive things from my perspective is that Gold Coast, with proper open wheelers again, there, instead of an imported category, is to have our own homegrown one. I just think that would be absolutely fabulous again to see that. Well, there's been talk for a long time that, that supercars needed to have, you know, that kind of supporting event alongside it there, and so it works again for, well for us. Um, I would hope that we would have some, some international names uh, here for that and um, you know yeah I think uh, it's almost an upwards from here but I mean the Gold Coast it's not a lot different to here there'll be a few uh, suspension items spare parts being sold I would have thought. Can we talk about that that first weekend with Ruben Sparrakello how did that come about and to be able to get such a big name willing to take a chance to come into these brand new cars untried? Mm -hmm. Yeah, that was amazing, actually. Um, once we knew when we were going to be able to run, um, we just started thinking about it. Who could we possibly get? And uh, I've known Greg Siddle, Peewee, for a long time, and Peewee is uh, more or less the Australian representative for all those Brazilians. And I just rang him up, had a conversation. I said, what do you reckon about Rubens? And uh, a few phone calls backwards and forwards. And I mean, he's a professional. You know, we had to, we had to, to pay him to be here which is understandable the guy's a you know pretty well-known guy and um, so it was probably the best initial investment that ARG could make to put it on the map and uh, he rocked up mate, just one of the nicest guys you've ever met I hadn't met him before he turned up and he was brilliant you know he even ended up at an AFL match on Friday night on TV in the rooms with the winners you know I mean fantastic I think it was fascinating. Also, Thomas Randall, who obviously is a very successful open wheel driver, um, he befriended Rubens and um, he would have him on his uh, simulator and, and they have a friendship and a, and a depth of friendship 
that obviously transcends the distance between them that they on occasions do speak. So that was a wonderful way in which to grow the interest in the series. No, absolutely. And I guess that was the sad thing, that he was back for the Grand Prix and, you know, this when COVID intervened on Friday morning and that was that, which was a real, real shame. And uh, But, yeah, no, uh, the, the two of them have got a great relationship. And you're right, he, at Sandown, he disappeared. I, I needed him for something on uh, on Friday morning. He disappeared. He was around the corner at Randall's Simulator, you know. <laughs> so, total professional. Uh, but, you know, in motor racing, there's a range of people, you know, some who are on track are a bit you know, antagonistic and even off track, but he's just a fantastic guy. Yeah. And so from what he experienced, he's obviously gone back and spoken to other people and got the word out that this category is a genuine opportunity. Yeah, I, re I recall there was a Grand Prix not too long after that and he was in pit lane, uh, you know, was doing the interviews and mentioned it, you know, and so... Those kind of things, and even having Roberto and Mary here, you know, the, the key thing is to have them go home saying, hey, that was cool. And uh, look, Roberto's dad's been on the phone uh, back there in Spain. He, he half thinks his, his, his boy's going to move out here and, uh, and do the series, you know. He's having a good time. Uh, in, like, in between the races, he, he's a bike rider, right? He's an absolute nutcase. Um, he was here nearly two years ago for the big sports car race at the Bend, mm -hmm. right? And he's a bike rider. He rode his bike to the track each day from Adelaide. That's 100 k's each way. You know, so he's been riding around Australia in the last couple of weeks. He's been surfing at Phillip Island. He just loves it. Knowing the history um, of yourself um, and Open Wheelers and, you know, a long time as a publisher of Motor Racing uh, a Magazine. Yes. Um, uh, the relationship now between Motorsport Australia and S5000, I mean, there have been gestation periods for various things and Pre-COVID, was, there was a bit of a battle to get there, wasn't there? Um, well, all the way through, obviously, there was a, there's a story to be told, but obviously, as you know, we built a prototype that was based on a Swift chassis, and, and you know, we, I guess, um, butted up against Motorsport Australia when we went to try and have it uh, ticked off to race here, and, you know, we, it, it, um, that was a fairly strong discussion, but at the end of the day... Um, what we needed to do was to find a better, not a better, a, a tub that complied with the totally up-to-date regulations. Most obvious thing is the halo. And we just got to the point with the discussions with them where this one that we've got just popped up almost out of nowhere. It was just being put on market. And I was able to whiz over to the States and we did a deal in about a week. And, you know, and so I understand that, you know, they're, they're, they're a little nervous because these cars are fast. It's a while since we've had an open wheeler category like that. And, you know, it, it is a fact of life that modern sporting organisations use words like, uh, you know, indemnity and risk management and all that stuff. You know, if, if you're a racer, that just makes you roll your eyes. But frankly, it is a fact of life. In modern things, so we've had a few things to deal with, uh, which I hope will, um, you know, will, will enable us to take the next step. But I think critically at the timeline, Motorsport Australia cams had an open wheel formula which they were forcing onto the population, which was F4, and you were going to offer potentially an alternate that might have even been uh, at the same price point. Yeah, I think Formula Four was on its way down at that point. To be to be honest, it, it was, um, you know, I, I think if you took some 
motorsport or cams people as it was then aside, they'd, they'd probably probably now admit that it was probably wasn't the best thing they ever did. It, it didn't work. Um, you know, the cars are great for the for training for you know the next grades up, Formula Three, Formula Two. But in terms of a spectacle that, that would excite the Australian public and, and even drivers, it, it was struggling by the time we started. And, um, you know, our gestation period took a little longer than I'd hoped because of all the other stuff. But, you know, we're in the, in the right spot now where they, they recognise S5000. They've been very helpful of late in some areas and um, they're, they're right behind it. I mean, they gave us the gold star and the motorsport um, Australian Drivers' Championship. So, you know, they're there, they're behind it. You know, they, I understand that they've got to keep an eye on, on capital S safety and things like that, but, you know, there's a few races involved in this as well. And, um, you know, hopefully we'll come out with the right balance. Well, Chris, it's been wonderful to see the cars on track and uh, one more race to go and then you'll be handing over the Tasman Cup um, with some of the largest names in our sport starting with uh, Bruce McLaren in 64 and Jim Clark and through the 5,000 era of Graham McRae and Maddich and Warwick Brown and Graham Lawrence. Just some amazing names and to think that uh, that will be kept in perpetuity is a wonderful thing for you to reflect on and, and enjoy in the years to come. So thank you for joining us on Inside Motorsport. No, that's fine. I mean, look, this will be a giveaway that I'm not in my 40s, but my first ever motor race that I went to was the 1963 Lady Wigram Trophy race in Christchurch, New Zealand, which was a Tasman Series race. So, yeah, I'm not in my 40s, but, um, yeah, it's the, the history attached to it is amazing, and to have that link is fantastic. Right. That's all from Inside Motorsport. Thank you, Chris Lambert. Inside Motorsport is produced by Thunder Media for the Community Radio Network.